Welcome, all fellow readers of books. Welcome back, or welcome to the first time to the Annie Gamers Book Club, Part 3, Stardust Crusaders. <laughs> I'm your host, David Estrella, at sign QX20XX on Twitter.com, and with me is my lovable, inescapable co-host, at sign Alive in the Wired, Inaki Uncle Inaki, please, <laughs> He's please, an take, take over from me. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Inaki. I, as you can tell from my accent, I am an American citizen. Um, I've been uh, contributing for Anagamers for a bit now, and I am excited to go on the main feed. Me too, me too. I've contributed a little bit myself as well, uh, and I'm very excited to be on the main feed again. <laughs> and um... uh, <laughs> we should finally introduce the third person that's here as well. <laughs> oh, you don't need to. I'll just be. I'll just be sitting you in here. Just listening. jump in real quick. <laughs> uh, hey, it's me, Evan Minto, uh, host, uh, co-host with David of the Anime Gamers Podcast, the boss, and uh, boss making man. my first appearance on the Anagamers Book Club for its first, uh, I guess maybe not first appearance, we might have done, I think we released an episode, but the first like real deal appearance that's not just a promo on mm -hmm. the main feed. So happy to be here. Yeah, happy, just like a lot of happiness to go around. A lot of, a lot of firsts, a lot of movement upward. Like sometimes I was, I was a little bit worried. I think with a show like this, there's like a trend for downward movement. Like we downsize, we stop being like too episodes a month we start being one episode a month then we're like one episode a season and then it's like not even on any gamers anymore they just scratch it off like they scratch off all the logos and stuff and they say like okay you're on your own now but no we're actually being graduated up graduated in a good sense we're being elevated now now we're uh now we're probably gonna take oh we're gonna take all the we're gonna take all of the main we're gonna take all of any gamers podcasts uh listeners now this is what we're gonna do you know, you, you said there's a lot of firsts. The, the big first for me on this one, as I think we talked about before, this is just, this is my first time ever reading a book. Mm. Uh, <laughs> taught myself yeah. to read for the express purpose of, yeah. this, uh, of this podcast. Congratulations. Yeah. Did, how was it? Was it, is, was it everything you hoped it would be? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I kind of thought, you know, you could only just look at stories, but, but I, I was having a little bit of trouble kind of like figuring out what everybody looked like based only on, uh, on the description. Yeah. You're like, uh, one, you're like one of those like Sakuga guys, right? You just look at gifts yeah. all the time. You don't really right. like follow narrative. Looking forward to my second book where I will be getting a lot of boogie pop vibes from it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean me, me and Inaki are always, or at least I'm always worried about that. We're like, we both really like Nishio Ishin, so I'm afraid that I'm going to pick up a light novel and be like, oh, I'm getting big Monogatari vibes from this. <laughs> We're like, just, you know, without, without like a hint of like me joking around, I'm just going to be like, play it just completely straight, be like, oh, Monogatari vibes. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. okay. You're afraid of that, and I have embarrassed myself by doing that repeatedly. You, you read more books than everybody here combined. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I, I do enjoy reading. I did spend a hell of a long time in higher education. I am stunningly overeducated, and that's what uh, that's what I try and uh, well, not try, but that's what I that's what I bring to this. That's why when I like, uh, I like David, the confidence. That's when when David said he wanted to do a podcast about light novels. He knew just the person uh, to call, and it happened to be me. Mm -hmm. So what did we read? We read something. We were like, I spoiled it before. Sorry about that. Yeah, we read something. People can read the title of the podcast. They're not going in blind. They they probably will. I hope that they do. Uh, we read Boogie Pop and others. Apparently, it's not just called Boogie Pop, and apparently that there's like a few pages in the book explaining uh, lots of reasonings for the localization. So volume well, it's one. It's also not called Boogie Pop and others in Japanese yeah. either. It's kind of odd <laughs> translation of the title. Yeah, Boogie Pop doesn't uh, warau or something like that. Um... Boogie Pop wa warau nai. <laughs> yes, That's thank it. you. So it's a that means Boogie Pop doesn't laugh or, or Boogie Pop doesn't smile even. Uh, the thing about uh, Boogie Pop is that they tend to have multiple titles. So the original Japanese cover just says uh, Boogie Pop wa warau nai. Hard to say. 
Um, but it also says Boogie Pop and others on it. Got it. I didn't know that. Yeah, whether it was a Japanese alternative title, like an original alternative title, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They all have more than one title uh, to them, which adds to kind of the general chaos of the way these books are structured. <laughs> yeah, you think you're doing the localizer a favor, being like, okay, if you don't like this one, you can pick this other one. The most helpful thing was like the tiny one on the cover. It's like, this is the first one. Okay, thank you. Yeah, this is an old one, isn't it? I think I was looking at it, I was like, damn, I was probably still watching like Blue's Clues when this first came out. Yeah, this came out in 1998. Which, in English? Yeah, I did not realize Japanese. it was... No, in Japanese. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was it was that old, actually. I kind of... Because as we'll talk about uh, most... As with like a lot of people, my main association with this was through the anime Boogie Pop Phantom, which came out later. And that was kind of like where it sat in the timeline in my head. And I, I just... I had never really like looked up exactly what year this came out, but that's a, it's a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, um, what was it like a Dengeki writing contest? Uh, like just it won top prize or something like that. Did it? I, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't say that. That's interesting. Mm. That might've been a note in my version. My version's the, uh, the seven seas ebook. Uh, I have, I got whatever version was on Bookwalker, which I think is probably the same one. So I was the one who suggested this and, and I have a print seven seas copy from oh, wow. a very long time ago that i bought that i just had on my shelf yeah so i know evan's like sort of a fan of boogie pop i remember like i i think i like came over to your house for a party or something a long time ago and then we like talked about boogie pop for a while and i was like as i was reading i like i vaguely started to remember some details that you told me by the end of it i was like oh okay this is what evan was talking about see i don't remember what i told you but yeah i'm a uh i'm a, at this point, a pretty casual Boogie Pop fan. I I briefly got kind of into it, but not enough to like really dig into the whole series. So I first watched Boogie Pop Phantom, which is a sequel that's kind of standalone. Uh, I think it takes place after the first two books. And, uh, you know, that was... Uh, we can talk about that maybe in, in more detail, but that's uh, it was kind of like at the same time as I was watching things like Serial Experiments Lane and uh like satoshi Kone movies and things like that and so it was very much like in my wheelhouse and i ended up looking up the other stuff i forget what order but i read the book i watched there's the live action movie based on the book and i re read a couple manga versions i have a manga adaptation of this book uh and then a different uh, side story thing or something called boogie pop duel but i didn't go beyond that so i did not watch the uh there's a 2019 anime version, which I never got around to watching. And most importantly, I never read any of the subsequent light novels, only the first one. Just this one. But it's kind of kind of an important novel if we're if we're thinking about like where things were going to go. So Haruki was not on the horizon just yet. It's, it sort of feels like this book is where it starts like to become something a little bit more than just like okay so slayers the legend of galactic heroes and uh maybe what was it like uh lotus war as well like when people think yeah. about like you know what, what was that a light novel or a novel dirty pair had a light novel or maybe a novel version yeah yeah, like, yeah, because it was still, like, in this, like, undefined space of, like, okay, is it a novel? Is it, like, just, a, like, you know, a fantasy novel, like, a genre novel? Like, at what point did we start to actually, like, consider, you know, what, what are the makings of this specific type of book? Boogie Pop, as I'm reading it, I'm like, it's not... It's not there yet with what we consider like the the modern daylight novel is like a lot of like what the archetypes that these novels get into in, in the modern day. But I am starting to see something and the thing that I see in there is like a lot of comic book influence. And in I want to say like it's about yeah, superheroes it's in, in, in a, a sense, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's like about superheroes, but it's also about like isolation from society and like, you know, just like just be normal, bro. Like try and like put on like a like a a facade for other people it's like a lot of other stuff that you like themes and things that you'll see in light novels later on but it's also got that feeling of like uh this guy is really into like batman and stuff like that uh well i was gonna say um just because this is recently on my mind it's it's actually uh maybe the, the closer comparison is moon knight who is a superhero who has uh multiple personalities at least in some later versions yeah I don't know if they've got Moon Knight over there in Japan. I didn't get the Amikami thing at all, but I'm not also like 
completely ignorant yeah. of Omicron, no. generally speaking. More than, like, comics, maybe, like, Unbreakable, the Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> the M. Night Shyamalan film? Yeah. I kind of know what you're talking about. I, I don't think it's like a really, it's it's not really taking a lot of the sort of tropes and things of superhero comics, but it mm-hmm. there's there's something there with this idea of, of like this superhero. But I think it maybe has maybe more in common with like Japanese superheroes, right? With like a devil man or something. Yeah. Uh, and I also agree that it does very much feel like a primordial light novel, like it's the, the basal mm-hmm. phase of what we know light novels to be today, and very much in that late 90s kind of serial experiments lane, very, very disaffected, mm-hmm. very kind of separated mm. from society. It's it's very much a lost decade work, which is a, a term I have had issues with, but when I say it, people know the time period specifically that I'm talking about, so I continue to use it. So, gentlemen, which mm-hmm. of you is brave enough to try and recount the plot of this novel <laughs> to our audience so that they know what we're talking about? I feel like we should try to recount it by taking turns. That would be the most accurate way to depict <laughs> the structure of this novel. Just just telephone game it? Uh, no, I can, I can try to do it. We'll see. Interestingly, Boogie Pop and Others is pretty much about i think just a couple days worth of of time at at a uh, a high school which we're, we're gonna keep forgetting the names can someone remind me the name of the high school shinyo shinyo i shinyo. think shinyo, right. shinyo. Well, i'll start by just describing the actual things that are happening which is like separate from kind of the way you experience it in in the story but what is happening is there uh there's a monster on the loose in this school that has taken the form of one of the students and she has been kind of slowly devouring and and sort of kind of corrupting and 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 taking out one by one all these i think entirely girls in the school if i'm not forgetting i anybody believe that's there. correct yeah yeah and so there's these disappearances no one knows like these girls just seem to have run away or something and and they're actually being being devoured by this alien the bioweapon like unclear what it is and it's about a basically these two sort of superhero characters that that uh david is talking about who end up kind of coming into conflict with the uh maybe three i guess if you count echoes like coming into conflict and and, and i guess we're, we spoil it right ultimately defeating that monster in the school that's like the simple basic thing that, <laughs> the, like the main Absolute conflict basic. of it now I should probably just mention the way it's structured w- before I talk about Boogie Pop, but it's structured in multiple perspectives from different characters who, uh, interestingly, none of whom have the full picture. And so you never actually get the whole picture. You don't even know anything about the monster in the first character's like set of chapters. Uh, there's there's no details on that at all until you get to like the later uh, the later characters. Uh, so Boogie Pop, the the title character, is this kind of costumed superhero in a in a cape and a a big kind of pipe shaped hat who seemingly we don't get a ton of details but seemingly fights creatures like the one that is on the loose in this school and the twist is that boogie pop is uh without her knowing it is is sort of like a a second personality of a girl at this school named toka miyashita Uh, and so the first section of of story that we get is told from her boyfriend's perspective and we actually never get a perspective from toka we only get characters who see her either as toka or as boogie pop and i guess we can talk about there's like a bunch of other a lot of characters in here to talk about yeah but uh that like that fact is i think like that that's kind of key to the way this whole thing is structured is that is like like that first section gives you a taste of like the kind of weird non-linear storytelling you're gonna get where you don't see anybody, you don't see Boogie Pop fight anyone, you don't see the monster, it's just a conversation with this boyfriend, and it's just him coming to the school rooftop to talk to the second personality, it's like superhero personality of his girlfriend. And it's like, it's really weird for him, because it seems like he's starting to like build up some like some sort of relationship with the second personality as well. A thing I've really appreciated about a lot of light novels is... A lot of them are very unafraid to play with structure and and try something weird, and 
I think that's uh, one of the things that can be really good about them. Uh, you have that kind of immediacy you want. You don't have to keep up a writing gimmick for 800 pages or something. So they feel very free to structure things in interesting ways or, or try things. And this style of novel of Boogie Pop where there isn't like a central narrative that you follow, but there's kind of events happening that you're two or three steps removed from works really well it's it's really really engaging uh it reminds me a lot of thomas pension yeah i was super into it and i was telling evan like oh i'm gonna finish this before we record i was really bad about reading this on time and yeah it just like i think i finished it overnight basically uh i think i like this a lot more on my reread of it actually and one of the things that's really cool about it is that the structure because it keeps you kind of guessing the whole time where you're you're trying to piece it together and you're like i don't really know what is boogie pop doing i guess i'll find out from another character later like what like at the end of that first section boogie pop like disappears and it's like well i beat the month like the monster's gone you're like what happened to the monster <laughs> like i have no details uh and like i think it, it works very well with the theme like a big kind of theme and like element in in all the boogie pop stories as i understand it which is like urban legends right and like stuff where mm. people are kind of there's rumors but nobody's actually yeah. seen the thing right yeah yeah big persona vibes big uh shin megami tensei persona vibes megami ibunroku persona you mean it's yes. so yeah you got the full it's one it's so fascinating to me because this came out in 1998 and we we read a lot of light novels that are inspired by internet culture and creepypasta and like this is just bef like if this had come out two maybe three years later that's what it would be about and it is just before that transition started to happen it's it's so fascinating it's right on the borderline a lot of the information that circulates because like it's all rumors it's all like like sometimes there's like an element of truth and then somebody like just adds like a little bit extra to it like it's all passing through real people it's not like they all have like social media like they mm -hmm. might call each other but they're like for the most part information is being exchanged in person in the book i do i love by the way just speaking of like rumors there's a detail uh i think maybe near the end of the book where uh they there's like a reveal of like well you know how did all the rumors about boogie pop get started and it's like well well like toka probably subconsciously yeah. <laughs> like started telling like she she doesn't know she's boogie pop but she just is like you know i heard about this boogie pop thing and started telling people which is like a great little detail yeah yeah boogie pop like leans into that sort of thing where it's like ah oh, the power of high school girls where like mm -hmm, you know some people get like really pervy about it but then like other creators are like no it's just like they control the information that circulates like they can make or break you know any any nugget of truth or like a whole fabrication it definitely feels like a much more real high school than a lot of the kind of anime high school stuff oh, that we read like this is how you. teenagers actually I, it's still fiction but like this is much closer to how shitty teenagers actually act they smoke yeah they, they hook they up smirk, they smoke they hook right. up they wag they break school. all the rules like the people on the discipline committee like break all the rules so evan didn't bring this up but actually like everybody that seems to have like a perspective in here is like interconnected by this like one club it's like everybody yeah everybody is an element and like there's like this really great bit i think like three quarters in where the, one of the perspectives is like actually in like a meeting for the club and then like everybody that's there is somebody that had uh like a set of chapters in the book before i do really like the the point that you made uh inaki like going back to that that like that it's kind of like a a real high school at least more real and that was something that like very much stood out to me here is like yeah these these kids are in relationships they're not just like pining after relationships like anime high schoolers do all the time right like our very first perspective character is dating toka not like he has a crush on toka yeah there's like a lot of talk about uh there's at least some talk about like characters having sex there's drug use and yeah just so much of it feels like very very just more grounded than so much of like you know modern kind of anime manga and and uh, light novel i guess i i mostly know light novel stuff through adaptations right but like the so much of that stuff is kind of like it's it's either that pining or it's you know if you have a male character and a, a female character in the kind of relationships that you see in this it's got a very like manic pixie dream girl thing going on right like you don't have that kind of sad sack otaku character who just like 
has the girl take him out of his shell or something. Yeah, and that archetype was around uh, during this era as well. You know, like the kids bully each like, other. The, these are the they... cool. These are the cool kids. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you never, you don't see stuff in this world that's about the cool kids. But like that's who these kids are. Yeah, they yeah. are like dating. They're they're Riyaji. Yeah, they're doing like normal high school kid stuff. Like the worst character in here is like the one who has gone through the most effort to like present like the most normal seeming personality, right? Like it's just it's so controlled to the point where it's like, oh, maybe you've got a problem. Right. That's the sort of the only villain character who we get a perspective from, which is. Saotome. Uh, Saotome. Saotome. Yeah, Masami Saotome. So that's also an element to it that I, I think is is neat, is that like he is a student at the school, and this is kind of like the twist that makes this, that gives this monster actually maybe most of her power beyond her actual superpowers, is that this boy at the school has fallen in love with her and is helping her take down these girls and basically giving her a bunch of strategies that she as this sort of alien life form would not have come up with on her own for manipulating the, the people at the school they call the monster the the manticore and it's kind the of manticore. an alien intelligence that's um was uh made in a lab or something it's it's uh, intentionally hidden from the audience uh like what the actual truth is because the characters don't really know yeah, right the <laughs> nobody really nobody sure. is actually in possession of the information about yeah. where this thing came from yeah we're hearing all of this like third and fourth hand if anybody did know manticore probably ate them by now the other character like major character in in terms of the sort of lore that we haven't talked about is echoes who's the original version of the manticore again we don't get a ton of details but the manticore is some, some sort of kind of clone thing that split off or was i think created as a clone of of echoes and echoes we again don't really know if he's like an alien or some kind of like thing that was created by by humans but he's he's some sort of non-human life form who has an interesting quirk where he he can't speak to he can't speak directly to humans i think i guess maybe he says at one point we get a little bit of perspective from him and he's, he indicates that he's an alien or, or might be an alien and it's like to protect humans, he's not allowed to like speak to them directly because he might reveal information that would be like too complex for humans and and influence his mission, which appears to be to observe humanity. And so he's called Echoes because he can only repeat back words he hears from people. Yeah, it almost it almost seems like he is like some sort of utility for like some other group uh, that we never we never get a hint of what they are. It's just like perhaps they are observing humanity through echoes. I'm not sure which character it was that said this, but like ultimately the choice was going to lie in echoes. Like, are you going to save humanity from Manticore or are you going to deem humanity as a lost cause and not save them? So it seemed like a lot, a lot hinged on a decision that was maybe not even echoes to make. Not until like more like I, I suppose like more information was gathered. I think that's also an, like a theme here that I really appreciate is, that, you know, again, I think when you compare it to a lot of more modern like otaku media that is so much about like the self, right? About like, you know, OK, you have low self-esteem and this is going to be a wish fulfillment thing about how cool you could be. And like this is a very social story in a lot of ways, like a pro-social story in that. Like, really, the message of it is very much about building connections with people and and helping people and, and how that is, like, our, our capacity to do that is what makes humanity worth saving. And believing and trusting in people as well. Yeah, a lot of yeah. these people, they have this very, it's not just a high school thing, but it's something I remember from high school where you're very willing to write someone off because they weren't going to graduate or they didn't plan to go to university or whatever and people have weak moments where they're like well of course you know so and so went missing she's a slut she'll open her legs for anyone she probably ran off with her boyfriend when she's actually been eaten by the manticore and they they make a very interesting distinction between people for whom like if they went missing for a couple of days everyone would freak out and people for whom if they went missing nobody would really care 
uh, and that's how Satome helps the Manticore kind of choose victims. He he has a very good handle on the kind of politics that shapes this school, and not just the students, the the teachers and the parents who are also kind of complicit in this. It's a very big like fuck the adults yeah. vibe here of yeah. like they do not know what's going on. They are not able to help any of these people. Like the only people who intervene to prevent anything bad happening is boogie pop who is a teenage girl and nagi kirima who is also a teenage girl who's kind of like a vigilante basically like that's where i got like a lot of batman vibes from where it's like mm. i'm getting a lot of batman vibes from oh this. she's and then the writer like a batman page vibes. later like yep. literally referenced batman I got a lot of uh, Futaba from Persona 5 vibes. I don't know if this is the the origin of that archetype, the kind of, like, terminally online girl who sees all and knows all because she is really into computers but that's a that that was an interesting thing i was like oh did this did this originate here or is this drawing on something even earlier i gotta say she's very cool like mm. <laughs> she's just, i i can see why like you know she was a, a major character I, I think she was a major character in like all the later books right i mean because she's she's like pretty she's pretty cool she's and she's a great like she's almost like a commissioner gordon to boogie pops batman in a sense right where she's like she doesn't kind of have the whole get up she's just like a regular like boogie pop is implied to maybe have some kind of supernatural powers that like nagi does not have yeah but nagi ha is called the fire witch like she's literally she's using she's using like an actual like superhero name well she doesn't go by that that's the nickname that people use for her but yes i know what you mean she has very strong author's favorite vibes yeah, Sorry, that's true. It would that's not true. <laughs> surprise me if she cropped up a lot in the later novels. It kind of takes place in that very, very pessimistic late 90s, kind of in the aftermath of like the sarin gas attack. Um, and uh, that, that schoolgirl who was very violently murdered and shoved into an oil drum with concrete and, and things like that. Just this period where, you know, the economy was in shambles and everyone was afraid of everything. And this, this idea that there was this kind of safety in, in structure, like if you were a good kid and you went to school every day you would just be protected from things in the world like this that sense of not be feeling safe pervades this novel it doesn't matter who you are or, or what you're doing there is a chance that you're going to be killed and manticore we find out is planning to take over the entire planet but the their starting point is this school they're going to take over because they can kind of self-replicate and they're going to start by taking over the school and then taking over the town but uh, Satome is like, no, you, here's how you go about this. You need to start with the people with the least social capital who nobody's going to notice if they're going to go missing. And then once you've started to replace them, you can move on to, to other people. And by the time they notice what's happening, it's going to be too late. Yeah. And again, I think notably, I just feel like the, the really tropey way to do this would be to make him... A, or maybe not even tropey but like like the way that would play into you know the the i'm thinking of stuff like the the miyazaki attack right like not attack the miyazaki uh i forget his first name obviously i'm not talking about hayao miyazaki i'm talking about the guy who kind of <laughs> created the whole scare about otaku in japan you know there were an easy version of that would have been to make satome the uh loner weirdo you know, like who hates everybody because he's been isolated from them but but actually what makes him dangerous is that he is like a sociopath who or a psychopath who like fully understands all of the social dynamics of the school and is integrated into them in a way where he can exploit them yeah he's definitely the 20 year old at the 16 year old's party kind of vibes yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so i think we were talking we were talking about this a little bit earlier but there's a lot of music references and stuff as well there's um gondora no uta which is was made famous by it's a taisha very early taisha era song uh, that was made famous in Akira Kurosawa's Ikiru. The salary man with cancer builds a um, a playground for children. Uh, the one the one good thing he's done for other people in his in his life uh, after never missing a day of work for forty years and then getting cancer. Um, and he he sing, he sings this song on the playground. It's it's quite a famous scene. It's a very moving scene actually. But that comes up a few. That's kind of is that Echoes' theme? That's what they sing when Echoes is around. I think it's what uh, I guess we haven't mentioned her yet. Isn't it? Isn't it sung by uh, Naoko? Yes. Kamikishiro? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. 
who is the girl, the the what we would now say is a, a polyamorous girl. I guess <laughs> she's dating yeah. uh dating two guys at school and is uh I very much appreciated this is genuinely just friends with the guy who's who's dating uh Toka. Like they're just they're just buddies. Yeah, they're um, just mates. And she, they just hang out. Again, it's that really real high school feeling of just like yeah, we you know we hang out, we have lunch together sometimes. We will we will take the same bus home from school, so we talk. Yeah, so she like I mean it's very difficult for us to describe this entire social network, right? But it's like we're, you're already getting the sense for it if you're listening. Like you know she is friends with what's his name, KG Takeda, right? So that's the that's and then he's dating the girl who is Boogie Pop and Kami Kishido. The is she is also she ends up befriending Echoes, so everyone is like part of this kind of network where there are a few degrees of separation away from everybody else. Which makes sense, because if it's a high school, like, that is a very small uh, body of people. But but notably, like, I, who, who knows that Toka is Boogie Pop? It's just him and, and I guess, uh, uh, Nagi finds yeah. out by the end. Yeah, yeah. Or I guess maybe she already knew. I forget. I guess she finds out by the end, because at the end, she has that great scene where with, that's also in, in uh, Takeda's section, where she she walks up to Toka and says, like, hey... Uh, let me finally introduce myself to you, like without Toka knowing why she's introducing herself. Yeah, it's very difficult to describe what happened. I already referenced like Thomas Pynchon. That should give you an idea of how complicated and not straightforward this is, and how all of these like interweaving uh, storylines and, and characters fit together in a way that works really well on the page, but is very hard to describe. Yeah, I thought I was gonna be like I thought I was gonna I felt so afraid to like have to describe like all <laughs> these characters by name. Like I have to like know like what role they played in this web. It's like it's kinda not like that. You can just think about the general picture and have a pretty good grasp of what's going on. The scene I referenced before is a is a really good example of like how well it works and how satisfying it is when it all comes together, because that's a scene that you see from Takeda's perspective where when you are reading it at the beginning, you're like, why is Nagi coming up to Toka? Because you don't know what Nagi's been doing. She's just like this weird kid in, in the class, right? And so it happens and you're like, okay, something's up there. And then it's it's like one of the last scenes, maybe the last scene in the book, once you found everything out and you're like, oh, that's that's why. Like, And it's like a great ending to it that you can finally connect the dots to this this thing that you saw earlier. Like, And it's kind of got a couple points that are like that with these like aha moments where the two parts of the story link up. I do think overall it maybe could have been a little bit more oblique and a little bit less obvious. I agree. Uh, and I think that it has a very solid kind of standard climax and a very standard denouement and i i feel like we could have been even more disconnected from it i feel like it wouldn't have hurt it at all and in fact may have even enhanced it for some of the things that we see where there's kind of this confrontation and then an ending we could have been more disconnected from um but maybe that's something in the later novels once they're a bit more established they feel more free to do yeah i think that's I noticed that in the last point of view section because they're they're not this isn't done like Game of Thrones we haven't mentioned that yet they're not back and forth between point of views they are all in a chunk so you read like five Tanaka uh, Takeda chapters uh, in a row and then you move to the next character but in the last one which is done from the perspective of uh, Kei Nitoki who's the head of the discipline committee it kind of the structure breaks down partway through there and we just start to see things from the perspective of other characters and it's, it was a little disappointing like oh man wouldn't have been like you said wouldn't have been interesting to see the climax disconnected from you know if boogie pop goes off somewhere else during the fight then like i don't want to know what happened to boogie pop yet because nitoki was wasn't able to see what happened to boogie pop yeah yeah and i think that maybe they weren't brave enough to keep that structure with the the climax and the ending of the novel and to keep that kind of on a karenina a chronological stories going and maybe it was just a clarity decision they tried it and tried it and couldn't make it work i guess we'll never know unless they've talked about it online somewhere i think what boogie pop needed was another goth <laughs> No, it's a goth novel. That's what this is. It is. Like, it's for goths. Is it really? Is it for goths? I feel like it's for goths, yeah. Well, I mean, like, there's so much, like, hating society and, like, how a lot of the problems is understandably in, the like, the hands of the adults. Like, the adults have a lot of blood on their hands. 
by the end of it. Is that a golf thing or like a like a okay? Person thing? But let me let me just make the argument that aesthetically, Boogie Pop as a character is is in that zone. Yeah, yeah. So you need like one other character, like kind of like bounce off them, just be like, oh, you like this? You like this style? I made it myself. See, to me, it was um more kind of like Chunibyo, like you know, carrying that sense hand of in being hand in being hand in hand. To me, it was Chunibyo because you're kind of carrying that sense of being, like, pretending to be a superior into high school with you. And the thing about all of the high school students who are in their kind of second second to last, you know, year 11 and year 12, as we say in Australia, of high school, they're all way too cool. Like, they, they are very, very self-conscious about not appearing to be lame, and they've lost that, you know, Chunibyo is literally, like, middle school year two disease and um, they've they've lost that and when oh i can't remember her name when she becomes boogie pop she's kind of tapping into that she's no longer these way too cool teenagers who smoke and drink and take drugs way past and fuck cool. each other way past cool she's kind of tapping back into that tuny spirit <laughs> and yet she becomes cool by being so uncool so yes exactly. now she has a cool robe exactly. she has a cool hat she has like monofilament wire basically that she uses yeah. to like completely unself-conscious about appearing weird i thought it was really great that like k tripped on the wire first and then it was like employed it was like oh okay so you you had that already like in your back pocket and then somebody else tripped on it of course, because that's dangerous to like wrap some wire between like two trees. And then you used it to, uh, I don't remember what it was like, slice off a hand or something like that. I think he slices off the hand and then like holds the manticore so that the the archer kid can shoot him, which is, it's cool. It's a, it's a very cool combo. I just had a thought. We didn't even talk about gender. I was going to say, because I just, I just said Boogie Pop as, as a he. Gender. Oh man. There's gender in the book. <laughs> if you're interested in gender, check out Boogie Pop because it's it, yeah, gender gets revving up like real quick. Or alternatively, if you have very little interest in gender, you might find it enlightening. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So like, I guess like in the late '90s, teens, how, how I mean, how would they interact with uh, a character who has like you know the beautiful feminine face and then like the really like kind of uh, heroic masculine voice with like the really assertive kind of charisma that makes you like perk up and listen is that gap moe i don't know what gap moe is I'm i don't know what asking. it is you don't, don't know, know what it is, what it like, is? this is what i'm talking I'm about i'm ashamed look, of both look, of you look, what the look, fuck look 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 i mean this is this is what i'm talking about where it's like you know goth right it's like goth right it's kind of going like you know like sort of mixing up with like the sort of like you know visual k thing that was also gonna like pop off real big you know get into the oh, early aughts boogie pop is uh, at least in some versions is depicted with dark lipstick yeah right? yeah eyeliner dark lipstick right probably like some you know like some powder on the cheek or something you know just like look a little bit more corpse like yeah gender so yeah the thing of the thing with boogie pop is that it is like david's uh kind of saying there he's we don't really get like a direct like pronoun or whatever, but but I guess maybe maybe it uses a pronoun. Boogie Pop never says like what his gender is, but it's implied that like Boogie Pop is male. And honestly, I found that just just Takeda talking to Boogie Pop on the roof was kind of compelling just because of the like weird tension there of like mm, it's easy yo. to imagine how weird that would be to like talk to your girlfriend and she's a she's a second personality that's a boy and she's using like in the you know in japanese she's using like male pronouns and male speaking style and like trying to square that with the person you know he's finding out more about himself the more he talks to his like girlfriend boyfriend yeah and it's in a weird place where it's not like it's not a i don't think it's i don't think you could really interpret it directly as like a trans story but it's got something of that to it right where it's like there's something there i think in terms of like how it's playing with gender yeah which is another thing that i kind of feel was on trend in the 90s you know sailor moon is probably the most famous for playing with kind of gender roles and gender identity but there's a number of other works from this time period that do it and it also fits in thematically where you know we're talking about how some of the students in the school have a great deal of social capital and people will notice if they go missing and some people don't you know the the boys tend to be you know like shitty teenage boys 
towards girls and mm-hmm. then there's one of the characters at one point says well if a boy doesn't show up in the evening if he goes missing for a couple of days no one will notice but if a girl doesn't show up you know that's a that's a really big problem and sitting on kind of the middle of this divide is boogie pop who is repeatedly referred to as a different personality of this girl but who presents as masculine and who everyone kind of clocks as masculine when they they talk to him he's also very different like temperamentally from toka which i i really like that's another element of the, the weirdness of takeda trying to talk to him is like he doesn't have any of the not just the the feminine aspects, but just no- nothing of the kind of like friendly personality of Toka, uh, and and notably as the title implies, he doesn't smile or laugh, and he kind of like sometimes tries to contort his face into something that that could be yeah. a smile, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like he's not sure what it is. <laughs> and I, it, it's no, actually yeah. like there's a there's a very nice little bit in there where it's like about. I think it's maybe the last line of Takeda's of his whole section where he's like, he sees Toka smile and he's like, Boogie Pop can't do that. Right. And it's like this thing that's like, that's for the humans. That's for us to do. And I think like part of like the charm of Boogie Pop is like, maybe Boogie Pop understands that this is a situation to smile in. So like they try to like kind of, you know, force it a little bit, just be like, is this, is this working? Is this doing it for you? And it's like, nobody's really like buying it. And it kind of ties into this idea that is never totally explained of like, we keep saying Boogie Pop is another personality of Toka, but that is not actually ever directly said. Like, we don't know that. Like, that's a that's a hypothesis that Takeda has. It's said a lot, but it's never confirmed. Yes, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. And, and it's possible, like, you're definitely led to believe that it is possible Boogie Pop is actually like a being that is possessing toka as opposed to a different personality which is like the fact that that's not answered is i think very cool and like just leaves a lot up to interpretation we had our we had our chain yanked like the whole way through like why are we going to start believing things by the end anyway there's a lot of that's like stuff like that that's interesting to think about that's kind of thrown in here and not answered and i am sure some of it is answered in later books but uh, i appreciate this book on its own as something where you can just sort of mull over it and be like man who knows? It's kind of interesting to think about. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's very, very ambitious. It's a very good use of the, the form. So I'm curious if, we didn't talk about this at, at the beginning, but if either of you have any other experience with Boogie Pop, or like, was this it? This is your very first time. Oh, this was it, yeah. This was the first time. Uh, I am also a Boogie Pop neophyte. I've had a couple of people in my life who were just obsessed with it. They were really, really into it. But yeah, no, this was my, my first time, and I'm would definitely love to see where this this story goes i'm very uh a very big fan of the writing i'm a very big fan of the way it's put together and the author and the structure and everything um and i just i think it's super cool yeah i, I really enjoy it. and i can see why people like it so much why this author is so prolific you know i i can see kind of a, a lot of things about light novels clicked into place for me having read this a lot of stuff like especially harahi harahi is the obvious uh, descendant of this in very many ways i was going to reference like boogie pop phantom here because that was my my introduction to it and i think the reason i like this more on a second reading because I, I liked it but i remember being a little disappointed i think and it was because boogie pop phantom is it's like even more disjointed in some ways and like you know in in more of like a psychological horror than this is uh, and it's kind of, I think, takes some liberties with that. But something else that I I remembered from watching Boogie Pot Phantom that is maybe not totally accurate, but I I remembered it being, and I watched a little bit of it to refresh my memory, that it's it was a little more oblique about Boogie Pop's identity. Uh, so there's like clear hints that it's Toka, but not like direct until partway through, uh, at least as I remember it. They don't really say like, yes, Toka is Boogie Pop. And I remember reading this and being kind of thrown off by like, oh, they just reveal it right at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> right. Like, and it just seemed like a letdown compared to the way that you're strung along a little bit more in Phantom. But reading it now, I, I appreciated the fact that it's like, well, that's not supposed to be the mystery of this. The other things are the mystery. You're not supposed to like figure out Boogie Pop's identity is not something for you to puzzle over. I would be interested to see one of the adaptations of this just because it would present such a challenge to present to the audience without the the benefit of it being on the page. I feel like there's a lot that goes into the description and the way the different characters talk and how this is presented 
presented that would really pose a challenge for a production team to try and make an adaptation of? It's been a while since I watched the movie, and I only watched the first episode of the the anime directed by Shingo Natsume, who is a, a pretty notable director. Yeah, I felt like, I mean, what I remember from the movie and, and what I saw in the TV series is like, it ends up being just like a kind of mostly straight chronological adaptation of it. Or at least partially. So I think the Shingo Natsume anime does like some of the stuff that you see in the book, but it also includes like certain other details that, you know, maybe the rest of the show will be a little different from that, but it kind of like introduces some characters earlier and, and gives you a bit more of like an omniscient perspective. And I think that takes away from some of the, the surprise. Yeah, that is that does sound a little bit disappointing. The first episode does do the thing from the that first Takeda section, which is cool, like where you see him see the, you know, talk to Boogie Pop without and then see the timeline of things being resolved without him knowing how they got resolved, uh, which is like, that's cool. It just also introduces like Suema, a character who we didn't talk about, like kind of earlier introduces certain elements of the other stories like right at the beginning instead of like leaving them to be introduced after you've been through this entire arc with one character which i i think is a very cool aspect of this book but yeah i i agree i think uh the structure is great uh the the characterization is i wouldn't say it's like the most you know detailed and complex but it is uh what i really appreciate about it is it's mature and grounded in a way that a lot of high school stories aren't in like otaku centric media yeah and it's uh it's just i'm into this stuff like i was always into this this you know paranoia agent and and serial experiments lane and perfect blue and like all that stuff in that that time period um so this is very much my jam an anxiety inducing goth novel yeah yeah <laughs> i fundamentally disagree that it is goth but and i also don't like satoshi <laughs> i don't like satoshi Kon very much but hey i'm i enjoyed the shit out of this and you're right Teach that is a own. fascinating that was a fascinating, like, three to four years of, of media, like, 1997 to 2001. Hey, All your right. final thoughts? Well, that what was, was kind of my final thoughts. Dev, do uh, your final you thoughts. You do. Oh, um, me? oh, I'll go. Um, you, 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 you. Me, 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 me. You. Uh, yeah, this is great. Go read it. <laughs> This is uh, if you if you're hesitant at all about reading light novels because you don't want to read, you know, trapped in my little sister's smartphone in another world. There there can be value to those kinds of novels as well. But if you are hesitant to read light novels because of that, this is probably a book for you. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, it's very very creative and fun. And even the places where it doesn't work, you can kind of like respect. You can kind of see where the author was coming from. Uh, a really fascinating debut of a novel. And uh, yeah, really really enjoyed it. Definitely gonna check out more. David Australia, yeah. final yeah, thoughts. Um. So. You know, this is one of those ones where I feel kind of guilty for consuming it as part of work. Um, every time that we <laughs> rock up in here to like talk about something, you know, like 70% of the time it's work. Uh, but this is like the sort of thing where I think to myself, like, if I have to look back at like the past, God, like two years or however long it's been of running the podcast, like this is one where it's like it'd probably be in like the top five of like continue this as like not work as like, hell yeah, don't wow. have don't have, I won like I got in the top five with my suggestion <laughs> yeah no I mean I I I think it's uh it's very unique because it's like it's so removed from the sort of formula like everybody everybody goes back to like the same book of like this is what worked in these light novels this is what worked in Mushoku Tensei specifically yeah like specifically like in Mushoku Tensei like you know refer back to and like you know that's fine right but sometimes I just want to like see somebody like kind of do their own thing and book like Boogie Pop really just does its own thing it still refers back to like a lot of media and i'd like to know if like if i'm on to something or if i'm just completely off the mark here like i said like oh yeah this was like this gave me like a lot of like superhero vibes like the sort of meta you know like what you know what's in the text of it right like it wasn't overtly about superheroes but in the same sense it was like here's a guy who probably read or experienced a fair amount maybe he like watched blade like was blade around at the time did he like go to the movie theaters and watch Wesley Snipes Blade and like came back and be like I'm gonna write Bo Boogie Pop now? Who knows? I don't know. Anyway, that's my take on it. I'll probably 
maybe you know if i get around to it if i have time uh and if i consider like that i'm gonna like read something on my free time based on like some other stuff that i've done here for the any gamers book club yeah this is probably among their top selections yeah this has got me in the mood to check out other stuff too i i kind of want to watch that 2019 anime but more importantly, because that's just an adaptation of the book. I do want to kind of read the rest of the books now, which I never They're got around to doing before. Omnibus releases in print, and I think like individually they were released as ebooks for digital. Like, so you only get the omnibus if you get the print one. Well, I might check that out. Uh, I guess that's it. We're wrapping up. Oh, we're yeah. not wrapping up. Or wrapping not up just, the review yeah. to move up. on to the the last part i'm aware i listened yeah, to your yeah, show yeah, yeah, i know yeah. what the last section is <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well first off uh what are we doing what are we doing next time david australia tell all the right. fine people all right so you know i'm putting i'm putting i'm putting on my blue latex gloves i'm uh, <laughs> i'm arranging all the instruments on the table i'm making sure that your restraints are on tight we're gonna read torture princess this is my my penance for cooking with wild game this is I my mean, penance for making. On, you keep on feeling guilty about choosing. I, like I didn't have a problem with it. Like the only problem I think that we're imagining is like it was just very, very, very like your perversions in print. Yeah, which was an accident. I could not. I could not relate. <laughs> I could not relate. Well, it's time for recommendations corner, where we recommend a thing that is not a light novel because what do they know of light novels? They who only light novels know. Who wants to go first? Well, Evan's the guest. Evan should go first. Oh, boy. Evan, please recommend us something that's not a light novel. Yeah. All right. I have. Be- I haven't finished been it yet. Recently. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, but I have been uh, in in small chunks. Have been watching through the Sparks Brothers, which is a music documentary that's now available on Netflix. Came out in 2021, and uh, it is about the band Sparks, which I had literally not heard of until I saw a trailer for this movie. But apparently uh, they've been around for a very long time, since the, the 70s, and uh, have been in a, like, I was immediately interested in the documentary because it, like, pitched it as, like, these guys are, have been doing, like, really weird, interesting pop and rock music since the 70s and have had, like, little weird bouts of popularity often in, like, Europe, uh, despite them being from California, and have been kind of critically acclaimed throughout all of that, but but never big enough to be, like you know, super, super famous, like all, all the most famous rock bands. And uh, the documentary is directed by Edgar Wright. Uh, so it's got a lot of fun kind of his his uh, kind of idiosyncratic style to it. I think it's my under, my understanding is like probably is not going to teach anybody who knows Sparks already very much. But for me, as someone who's new to them, it, it does a very good job of like getting me excited to go like listen to their albums where it's like, oh, you know, it's got all these like, musicians it's got people like, like still Beck making music and oh they're still making music they've they've nice. made i don't know 30 albums or something crazy i nice. know <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm i'm getting that feeling now that like especially for like music and stuff because i, I guess like i like started listening to music maybe like 15 16 years ago in a sense that it was like i was actively checking stuff out uh, it wasn't just like, oh, I heard that on the TV. I guess I'll listen to that like 90 times in a row. Like I actually like had an interest in like, oh, music, this is like really interesting. Uh, like, I wonder what it is. Now, like now I'm seeing like, a lot of the acts that I was into then, like they're old now and they're still making music, but they're not making music in the sense that like they're some of them are doing like still like stadiums and then some of them are like just kind of fell off. Right. It's like, where are like what happened to them? Like, where are they? So I think it's like really interesting, like when an act has longevity for like from 70s on to like way, way late and like where they go with that. I, I think what's cool about them is that they have they've always throughout all of that, like been doing their own thing kind of off to the side of what's popular and then because they have this, like, whatever their creative vision is at the time, it doesn't always line up, but they've had these moments where they had hits because they were, they always ended up, or often ended up being, like, accidentally right on the cutting edge of what was happening. So, like, I, I didn't realize this. They made, there's an album they made called Number One in Heaven that was, like, with Giorgio Moroder wow. and was super influential on, like, synth pop because they, they, just they said, ah, what the heck? Let's try to make a let's make an album with synths, like right before everybody was making albums with synths. And so they like had a huge influence on like Joy Division doing Lovell Terrace Apart and tons of synth pop apps acts I've never heard of. 
so yeah, it, also they're they have a big like comedy angle, which is interesting to me as like a big fan of they might be giants. <laughs> they remind me a lot of that where they're they're do like a they're like a not not a joke band, but their music is like very kind of campy and and silly and you know they they don't always take themselves seriously, which I like. So yeah, it's a it's a cool documentary. If you're interested, it will definitely like get you excited to check out their stuff. I really like Edgar Wright, and the only thing about him is that he's a big cinema guy, and I feel like he's kind of if he had been interested in music, he could have been like one of one of the all time greats. Which isn't to say he's not one of the all time greats as a as a filmmaker, but um, yeah, I just it it is always fascinating to me how passionate he is about things. Yeah, actually, the other the other thing I, I was briefly mentioning it there, but a lot of they got a lot of celebrities together, a lot of musicians and and actors and comedians and things who all. Uh, it's just full of interviews with them talking about like their favorite Sparks albums and like how influential they are, which is cool. It's a cool awesome. way of structuring it. Yeah, sounds really good. David Estrella, what are you recommending? Uh so I got super twisted and watched The Matrix Resurrections. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god! I I haven't watched it yet. I've been I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about what's in the movie because I feel like. I feel like even talking about themes constitutes a spoiler on that. That's like, that's a movie that has people divided, right? It's got people mixed on it. No, this is, this is definitely that, like, that movie that I would have expected, like, to come out 20 years after Revolutions. I wasn't the biggest fan of the sequels, uh, for, like, the Matrix sequels. Like, you know, like anybody else. Uh, I come around a little bit to Reloaded. Revolutions is still kind of like, eh, but Resurrections, damn. That one, that one, uh, like, is it good or bad, David? <laughs> I'm like, I'm still, th- I, I think that question's irrelevant, honestly. Oh, like, all right, it's, all right. uh, it's just, it's one of those experiences where I think everybody takes away something, like, personally, like, if they're reading, if they're reading into it. But I think a lot of the, uh, people that say, like, The Matrix is a trans narrative, like, I think that after you watch Resurrections, like, that gave me a lot more perspective on on what uh, you know like what was being said about that no like i'm probably have to like rewatch it again but i think like even on like the first rewatch if you're just like if you're paying attention even like a little bit like a lot of things will start to make sense i'm i'm looking forward to it because even though i didn't like those sequels i have grown to have a lot more respect for the wakowski sisters seeing their extremely anime output post matrix all right frost my tips and log me in I find that a very varied response to a work is generally a good sign, or at least it's a sign that it's going to be interesting, even if it isn't, like, capital G good. Yeah, On the complete I, I other end of the spectrum, so uh, I picked up last year, and I'm just getting, just now getting around to Hail Mary, the latest novel by Andy Weir. So The Martian sits in a really weird place for me, not because of the book, but because I was a fan of this guy back in the aughts, like the early aughts, and he had like a webcomic, and he had, you know, a bunch of different stuff on his website. He wrote short stories. And, and fanfic and stuff uh, and then he kind of dropped off and he, he went away like his site stopped updating and I just kind of moved on with my life and then a few years later everyone I know was like oh have you read The Martian it's this great new novel by a complete uh, complete unknown first timer called Andy Weir and I was like <laughs> the like Andy Weir like the Casey and Andy guy like the Ranma fanfic guy from the 90s that Andy Weir and they're like no no this guy's a complete unknown he's a complete first timer but, dear audience, but it was that Andy Weir. So that was a really fucking weird moment for me, and it's still kind of unbelievable. I still don't quite believe it. Having said that, I thoroughly enjoyed The Martian like everyone else on the planet, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed Artemis as well. Um, <laughs> Hail Mary is a little bit different. It's way less optimistic than either of those two things, as you would imagine. It's a lot less hard sci-fi. It's a lot, um, it's more closer to slightly more fantastical science fiction, which I think was a really good direction for him to go in, because, you know, there's, there's, if you're, you're limiting yourself, if you say, well, I'm only ever gonna write, like, 
you know, nuts and bolts, brass tacks, hard sci-fi based on things currently possible. And this one's a little bit more fantastical, but it still has that very methodical approach to it. Um, it's really, really interesting. It is almost entirely devoid of optimism and hope, unlike The Martian and Artemis. Uh, so it might not be a book that you want to read right now, but I'm enjoying the shit out of it. And good on you, Andy Weir. Really enjoyed your webcomic, so thank you for making that uh, so many moons ago. Alright, I think we have come to the end of the Annie Gamers book club. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really do appreciate it, and uh, we're looking forward to putting out a bunch of episodes on the main feed. Yeah, looking forward to, like, just exploding, exponential growth, no paywall, just freely expanding. <laughs> But if you do want to hear a little bit more of us, we have a sister project called, uh, we don't actually have a title for it. I want to call it Annie Gamer's <laughs> Book Club Nota Bene. Uh, so A-G-B-C-N-B is what is the title I'm going to try and pitch for it, where we try to write a light novel based off of Riamu from The Idol Master, and it's every bit as fucked up as it sounds. It's extremely maniacal, and I appreciate it. Oh man, there's not a there's not a day that goes by where I don't just like slam my head into a wall thinking about this thing and what I got to do. <laughs> I I see Riamu when I close my eyes at night. That's mm. that's the point that it's gotten to. Um and if you want to be part of that madness and see us wallow in our own filth, mm. go to patreoncom gamers and you can hear it. The other kind of sexy Patreon to subscribe to, I suppose. <laughs> it's not that sexy don't oversell it (laughs) (laughs) well speaking of sexy uh, who are we and where can we find where can people find us elsewhere well you can find me on twitter uh at sign vamptvo v-a-m-p-t-v-o i am at sign alive in the wild always was always will be david and i do a bunch of stuff together we write articles for any gamers podcast we vtube we stream video games we do all sorts of fun stuff and if you follow us on twitter you will see all of that i'm at sign qx20xx by the way uh yeah anyway anyway anyway, end of the show i think end of the show everybody agree end of the show end of the show do you want to say it do you want to say it evan Stay valid, all you kings and queens out there. Until the next time, this is the book club signing off. Did I say David? I'm pretty sure I said Evan. No, you said Evan, but just like go with David's take. (laughs) I'm Evan. (laughs) I don't remember the entire spiel you guys do. I I remember stay valid. That's it. Yeah, that's what I was angling for. I was angling for stay valid. Well, yeah, I'll look, I'll say it and you can use it if you want. Stay valid, folks. There we go. There we go. Okay, show over. (laughs) Show over.